This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome. This is Business by the Numbers, and I'm your host, Hunt Demrest from Parmelis and Associates. Today, we're going to be talking about some common issues that I see with Shops Financials. Most of these come from new clients that we're talking to, prospective clients. But a lot of this is the same issues that I see with our current clients. Um, some recurring things that come up, some pieces of the financials that they just don't understand, or really just some key principles that I think that every shop owner And more importantly, every business owner really needs to be able to understand. How many tabs do you have open on your screen right now? Come on, be honest. Shopware's all-in-one shop management platform provides a direct integration to more than 3,000 businesses and marketing tools so that you can focus on your day. Visit our friends at Shopware at GetShopware.com. So one of the unique things about me and my firm is that we work with shops nationwide. We work with small shops, big shops, multi-shops. And even people that are doing stuff a little bit differently. I work with shops where they're selling used cars. I work with shops where they're doing a lot of towing. I work with shops that are doing repair and collision side of it. And the difference here is that every shop is a little bit different, right? We see the same reoccurring themes. It's it's the same industry at the end of the day. We're selling parts and labor here. But depending on what your shop is doing right now, really dictates what your financials need to look like and what kind of things you need to be doing, possibly a little bit differently than one of your colleagues that you've been talking to. And I think that that is a really, really important theme that I tell people a lot. Hey, it needs to make sense to you. It needs to make sense to your business. I look at something a little bit differently than the next guy looks at something. And also one of the things to think about is that me as an accountant shouldn't be telling you how your financials should be set up. I have a core way that I like to look at most of my shop's financials, but at the end of the day, I say, what makes sense for you? How does this work in your brain? How does this work in your shop, in your workflow, for your compensation packages? And let's set up something that makes sense for you. I look at thousands and thousands of financial statements. You name it, I've seen it. If it looks good, I can obviously understand it. If it looks bad, I can probably still pull some key numbers out of this. But this is what I do every day, all day. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to go into some really key issues, some of the big reoccurring things that I see come up over and over again that we can hopefully overcome and we can hopefully kind of address to make this a more useful tool for your business, for your life, and for your future as well. One of the first things that I hear, and this is probably the number one issue when I talk to a new prospective client, is they don't understand their financials. Call me up and say, Hunt, I don't understand what I'm looking at. They make no sense. Possibly even a lot of people don't even have real financial statements. They have some spreadsheets or they have some key numbers that they're looking at. But a lot of times people just don't really understand what they're looking at. Um, If they do have QuickBooks already, and and you'll notice here, I'm going to mention QuickBooks a lot. As a quick aside, when I say accounting and QuickBooks, I'm kind of using the two terms interchangeably here because 99.9% of our client base is on QuickBooks. It's probably the number one thing in the market, and it's what most people are using now. So that's really what we're going to talk about and what we're going to focus on. 
But one of the things that comes up when people start talking about their QuickBooks and, you know, they're looking to hire my company and start to help them out getting this in order is they say, Hunt, you're going to have to start fresh. This is so screwed up. This is so messed up. You guys are never going to be able to fix this. Uh, we've possibly had other people have tried to fix it and no one's been able to do that. And what I tell people is, you know, there's a chance that we're going to start fresh, but that is a very, very rare thing. If you have all of the information in QuickBooks, you've done your job. If all of your checks, all of your deposits, all of your credit card transactions are in QuickBooks, we can work with that. And that's what I tell people all the time. Your responsibility is to get the information into QuickBooks. If the information is in QuickBooks, we can work on there. We can split the sales out. If we're splitting the sales out, I'm going to use your shop management software to get reports that allows me to say, is that labor? Is that parts? Is that shop supplies? Is that sublet? If we have all of our payroll in there, even if it's in just one lump sum, we're going to be able to use payroll reports to be able to split that out to the correct categories. Even if you just have some kind of stuff skewed all about, we're going to go in there. We're going to go and review these financials and make sure that not only is everything in there and accurate, but it's all in the correct categories and it makes sense to us. This kind of goes to one of the big core things that I explain to a lot of people. If you do not understand the financials, then you cannot use the financials. Right. So if you're looking at the financials and you're saying there's negative here's, there's, you know, kind of question marks, I'm classifying things in different categories, then of course you don't understand this. You're not giving yourself a fair shake at this. If this is not set up accurately and in a format that makes sense for you, you're going to be very overwhelmed by that. And so that's probably the number one thing that I see that puts people off from financials. They try to understand, they try to analyze financials that are not set up correctly, and they just give up on it because they say financials and accounting are way, way too confusing. I'm never going to be able to understand it. It's just not a piece that I'm strong at, and I'm going to go back to doing what I need to do. A lot of times I see people completely take step a step back from that ownership role or the business owner role, and they say, I'm going to just stay on the tools. I know how to work. I know how to produce labor. I know how to drive sales. And that's what I'm going to do because I don't feel comfortable with the financial side of the business. And you know what? That is a really natural thing. Humans in general do not enjoy doing stuff that they don't understand or that they struggle with. No one likes to fail. And what we need to do is we need to give you the tools. We need to help you get into a position where you can succeed here. We need to make these financials set up so that they make sense to you. It doesn't matter if they make sense to me. It doesn't matter if they make sense to an outside party to a certain degree. These financials are tailored towards you. I have a certain way that I like to see a lot of things. I have a certain way that I like to see discounts. I have a certain way that I like to see warranty work. But that's just kind of my personal preference. For most shops, that works. They say, Hunt, that understands. I understand that. That makes sense. You know, that's kind of the way that I would like to look at it as well. But everyone likes to do this a little bit differently. So some people say, you know what, Hunt, I don't want to see my discounts as an expense. I like to see that lowering my sales because if I sell something for $1,000 and I discount off $200, then I don't want to see $1,000 in sales. I want to see $800 in sales, which makes perfect sense. Another person, though, might say, Hunt, you know what? I want to see the actual cost of these discounts because most of these discounts are kind of the way that I advertise. So that same $200, I'm not going to have lowering my sales. I'm actually going to put that into advertising expense. You can see that is just one small, very minute difference in its financials. At the end of the day, it's still going to work out to the same thing. We still got $800. We're still going to pay tax on $800, but it's different ways to look at it. It's setting this up so that it makes sense for you. It makes sense for your business. 
And so that's really one of the big things here is if you do not understand your financials, if you're sitting here right now thinking, you know what, I am way too overwhelmed by my financials. I'm not even going to look at it. Then what you need to do is you say, hey, do I not understand the financials or do the financials not make sense to me? And probably your answer is going to be number two. They don't make sense to you because they're not going to make sense to most anybody out there. And what we need to do is we need to set these up for success. We need to set these up in a way that's going to be a useful tool for you to run your business, to analyze your business, to look at trends. If you want to work in your business, if you want to be there every day for the rest of your life, then you can probably get away without looking at your financials. Are you going to have the best business that you possibly can? No, you're not, because you're not going to be able to feel those small details. But I've seen plenty of people that have run their business for 30 or 40 years and created a very successful business with virtually no understanding of their financials. However, if you want to take this business to the next level, if you want to utilize the full potential of your shop, you have to understand your financials. And even more so, you need to be able to understand your financials if you want to try and take a step back from your business. If you want to possibly not be in there every day, if you want to possibly be a bit of an absentee owner and analyze this business from afar, your financials are going to be the lifeline to your business. That's going to how that's how you're going to be able to see, hey, are the margins being maintained? Are my guys doing what they're supposed to be doing? Is my overhead creeping up here? We have no choice but to understand these financials. And so, like I said before, this is a huge one. This is probably the number one thing that I see for most people. And this is the core of the issues. Getting into the second biggest topic that I see, and, and this is one that a lot of people do not realize. Right. Number one, you know, not understanding the financials, the financials being unorganized, not being set up correctly. Everyone usually comes in with open eyes on that one. They know, Hunt, I'm sorry, it's screwed up. And I tell people a lot of times, hey, why are you apologizing to me? If everyone understood their financials and everyone had their financials set up in a correct way, I wouldn't have a business. Right. And so don't feel ashamed. You know, don't feel embarrassed. Most people are financially ignorant to a certain degree. And that is our job. That is our job to help shop owners, to help business owners not only get accurate financials, but understand what they're looking at. As much as you love the shop routine that you have now, I'll tell you that switching to a cloud-based shop management system will pay off in more ways than you can imagine. Not only will you let go of bad habits that are costing you money, you'll free up more time for your techs to fix more cars. Your quotes will be quicker and more accurate, and you'll make more money per part than you ever did before. We all know that time is money. When you streamline your day, you waste less time on repetitive brain drains. Start fresh by going to your favorite browser and looking up GetShopware.com. The orange book a demo button will set you on a journey for more profit and less stress. You'll never look back. Check it out at GetShopware.com. The big one here that a lot of times comes as a surprise to people is that your shop management software does not match up with what QuickBooks is saying. When your shop management software does not match your QuickBooks, that really comes as a big surprise to a lot of people. A lot of people are really running their business. I would say, you know, most shop owners are running their business based on the information that their shop management software is giving them for good reason, right? Shop management software has come such a long way. It can do a ton of stuff. You know, a lot of these ones that we see out there now give all the reporting that you could ever imagine and also give us some really good tools to track on a day-to-day basis. However, what a lot of people do not realize is the shop management software is what we think that we're making. 
At the end of the day, QuickBooks is what we actually sold and what we actually received. We need to make sure that those two are speaking the same language. One of the things that we notice here is really two major discrepancies, parts and labor. And when I say the two major discrepancies, at the end of the day, this business, when you strip it down to its core, we're selling parts and labor. We're selling shop supplies. We're selling sublet. You know, we're selling hazmat and stuff like that. But the core of this business is we're selling parts and labor here. And so anytime that I'm looking to make changes, I'm looking at analyzing the financial statements. Those are the two core issues that I'm going to be looking at. What I tell people a lot is you can screw up pretty much everything else in your business. If you do well on parts, if you do well on labor gross profit, you can still probably have a pretty good business. So let's take a look at labor. What is the big thing that I see on the discrepancy between our shop management software and QuickBooks as it relates to labor? So depending on what shop management software that you have allows you to kind of tweak this a little bit differently. But on most shop management softwares, you put in a cost for your technicians, hourly rate, or possibly even flat rate. And so let's use an example where you say, all right, my, my street rate for my shop is $125 an hour. I pay my technicians $25 an hour hourly, right? They're not flat rate. They're on hourly. And so if I sold one hour of work, it's going to show that I sold $125 in sales and it's going to show me that I had $25 in cost. That's going to be almost an 80% gross profit margin on that specific job. And when we look at it, we're saying, great, 80% is pretty darn good. Depending on how you analyze this, anything over 60 to 65% gross profit is a pretty good number to shoot for. However, what that does not take into consideration is efficiency, right? That is assuming that every single hour that my technician is there, he's selling work. Let's use that same example and use an example of a technician that's 50% efficient and rerun those same numbers. So if I have a technician that's 50% efficient, meaning he's only selling half of the hours that he's in the shop, that means that for a 40-hour work week, he's going to sell me 20 hours of labor. And if you do the math on that, that means that for every hour of labor that he sells me, I have to pay him two hours. And so that same number that we did before, $125 in sales, is going to cost us $25, no longer is true, because that would be assuming 100% efficiency. For this example of 50% efficiency, he's selling me $125 an hour in labor, but for that same hour sold, I'm going to have to pay him $50. Remember, for every two hours that he's working, he's selling me one hour. So I don't have uh, $25 in cost. I now have $50 in cost. And now we have significantly reduced our gross profit margin because we are not taking into consideration that efficiency. Another thing that the shop management software does not take into consideration is time off, sick time, vacation time, whatever might happen. Now, you know, most people at least give out a week, possibly two weeks of vacation and sick time to their technicians, and we're going to be paying for that. Now, it could hit on one month and it could really skew these numbers. But again, this is just a couple dollars that's going to be spread throughout the year because we're going to be paying for time that we're not going to get deliverable results from. Now, and even more important to think about here is your loaded cost associated with payroll. And so if I have a technician that that same example, I'm paying for two hours, so it's costing me $50 for that one, that's ignoring any sort of payroll taxes, benefit, retirement, health insurance, workers' comp, anything like that. 
And so if I have a technician that's I'm paying $50, he's more costing me probably around $60 to $65 if you really take all of those benefits into consideration. As a general rule of thumb, 20% is going to be the loaded number that I use. And so if someone is making $50 for that period, an extra 20% added on top would, would take us to 60%. He's more, that's more going to be close to what it's truly costing me as a business owner all in to have this employee there. If we ignore the payroll taxes, if we ignore the benefits and stuff that we pay them, we are going to have a completely different picture of what we're actually realizing in net income and gross profit. And so let's use that as a great example of what we see a lot here on how we can have a shop that thinks that they're doing well in the shop management software. But when we analyze and see this number on QuickBooks, it's completely painting a different picture. And so remember the start of this one, we had $125 in sales. We had $25 in cost. We're looking at that thinking, hey, you know what? This shop is doing pretty darn well. We're over 80% gross profit on labor. We're really knocking this out of the park. However, when we get this set up correctly in QuickBooks and we really start analyzing it, factoring in the inefficiency of this technician, factoring his true loaded cost there, what we find out there is that, that technician is actually costing us more like $60. And if you do the math on that, we no longer have 80% gross profit. We are now down to 50% gross profit or possibly even a little bit worse, depending on some of these benefits. And so that is a really, really good example of how we can have these labor discrepancies, how we have this disconnect between what the shop management software is saying and what we're actually seeing in our bank account. And that, again, is a big reoccurring issue that I see. Hey, Hunt, everything on the front end is looking good. My pricing is looking good. And when we're saying that stuff, when I'm hearing that stuff from you and other shop owners, I know that you're looking at the shop management software. I see this from coaches. I get this question from coaches because a lot of times your coaching companies that you're working with are referring to your shop management software as well. Hey, everything that Steve is doing is looking really good, but he says he has no money in the bank account. These kind of disconnects are exactly what we're talking about here. Now, how do we fix that? How we fix that is we need to analyze this. And so I usually look at this on a monthly or quarterly basis, and I compare QuickBooks to what my shop management software is saying. Depending on how in-depth your shop management software gets, it's going to kind of dictate the solution here. Some shop management softwares allow you to do salary, flat rate, hourly, and factor in all different kinds of pay rates to your specific technician. If that is the case, you might not have to be have to have as large of an adjustment as you would for someone that's only going to put that in there as an hourly cost. Generally, though, what I look is I look at all of my technicians as an overview and compare shop management software to QuickBooks and see how different we are as far as cost. And then what I usually do is I increase everyone's hourly rate by a certain percentage and hopefully get that pretty close. The number that I mentioned before, 20 to 25% is usually a good place to start. And so again, just like I said, if someone's costing me $25 an hour, I'm going to put that up to $30 an hour, maybe $32 an hour, and I'm going to run those numbers and see how it figures out. As a personal preference, I would like my shop management software to give me a little bit more of a conservative number and give my service advisor a little bit more of a conservative number as well. What I mean by that is if my real true gross profit on labor is 65%, I would rather my shop management software tell me and my service advisor that we're at 63% versus 67%. Both of those numbers are 2% off of what we're actually realizing here, but I would rather be surprised up than surprised down. 
I'd rather look at these numbers and say, you know what, I actually made a little bit more money than I thought versus looking at these numbers and saying, hey, you know what, I thought that I made this much and I actually made a little bit less. Most of the stuff that we do in accounting and and really my general philosophy is always going to go a bit more on the conservative side. I don't want to give myself a false sense of security. I don't want to give myself false sense of hope. I would rather go a little bit conservative and be surprised that, hey, you know what, it actually worked out even better than we ever thought. Now, this is probably not going to be something where you can just do once and be done, depending on if you change your benefits, if you change the pay structure, this is going to be have to be tweaked a little bit periodically. Also, for a lot of shop management software, it's probably not realistic to get it within, you know, less than a percent every single month. Based on timing, based on bonus structure, based on commission plans, whatever it might be, I want this to be a good barometer. Right. I want this to be plus or minus two or three percentage points. The exact detail, the exact one or two percents actually is not as important as you would think. Now, in a perfect world, yeah, it looks exactly dead on there. But just for most shop management software, it's probably not going to be a realistic expectation for you. If it is, then great. But don't kill yourself trying to find a couple pennies here. We're losing the overall perspective of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to look at take a macro point of view. We're trying to analyze this. And then a lot of times, as long as we're calculating this the same way every single month, even if we have a solid 2% discrepancy, as long as it's consistent, I can still compare myself with my previous numbers to look at trends and look at what I've been doing. So that was the labor side of it. You know, a big issue that we see on the labor side of it, and honestly, probably a little bit more of an abstract thing to think about. The other thing that we see a lot is parts. So a lot of people, when they look at this, they're looking at their shop management software and it's showing something crazy like 95% gross profit. And most shop owners know, hey, that's not an accurate number. We don't even take that into consideration. Obviously, we want to try, but they're not under the impression that what they're looking at is accurate. However, parts, on the other hand, Almost everyone believes that that parts margin in their shop management software is actually what they're realizing here. And hopefully it is, but a lot of times it's not. And in most situations, we are surprised down, not up. For example, if I look at a, at a new shop owner's shop management software reports and they're showing 50% gross profit margin, 99% of the time it's either going to be that number or most likely it's going to be low. Almost never do I see a shop management summary that comes in lower what we're actually making. That we're surprised, hey, you know what? I thought I was making 50% gross profit margin on parts, and I'm actually making 60%. It very rarely happens. What we usually see is the exact opposite. Hey, hon, I'm making 50% gross profit margin on parts according to my shop management software. However, when I look at QuickBooks, we're actually making closer to 40% gross profit or even worse. Why does that happen? Why are we paying more for parts than we think that we are? So sales are almost always dead on, you know, unless you have a major fraud or theft issue, all the sales that you get that you're bringing in are going into the bank account. They're getting recorded. And what affects these margins is that we end up paying more for parts than we actually think that we are going to. And there's a couple of different reasons that we can see that. One of the reasons is cores. The water pump that you just bought, it's got a $50 core on it. If you do not return that core, then that $50 is going to become your cost. You marked that part up. You sold it based on getting that core money back. If you don't get that core money, then obviously that just killed our parts margin right there. One of the things on cores is a lot of times people are sending this these cores back, but for whatever reason, they're not analyzing this and they're not ensuring that the parts houses are giving them credit for this. 
So don't think that, hey, just sending that part back is all the work that I need to do. You need to follow along with that and make sure that you see that on an end of month statement. Same exact thing for warranty work. Hey, if we had a water pump that we had to warranty, parts house was nice enough to send us a new water pump and we're going to send that back. I need to make sure that they're going to give me that credit again on my uh, end of month statement or my uh, weekly statement. If I'm not getting the credit back for that warranty work, then you know what? I just did another job for completely free. Um, One other thing that we see, too, that I don't see as much anymore because a lot of the people are going to electronic ordering. But when I first started doing this, a lot of the issues came about with um, people not updating the prices correctly. Hey, that water pump used to cost me $85. Now it's $95. But I didn't update the new prices. I just left it at $85 and marked it up based on that. Now that water pump's actually cost me $95. Shop management software is saying that I saw, that I bought it for $85. QuickBooks, when we actually paid it out, is showing $95. With electronic ordering that we see now from most of the vendors, it's not as big of an issue. But also the amount of price increase and inflation we've seen over the last year, a lot of these prices are going up pretty significantly. And so that could be an issue. The last one that I see on here is personal work. You know, a lot of times people have race cars, people have personal vehicles that they're working on. And if you're running all of those parts down through as parts cost, then obviously that's going to skew the numbers. If you do not have a ticket for that personal vehicle or that shop vehicle or that race car, then obviously anything that you buy to these vendors is not going to be expected and that's going to pull the parts gross profit margin down. You know, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. If it's a shop vehicle, that's a legitimate expense for your business. We might just want to track that a little bit different way. So do we do not think that we're killing our gross profit with some of our own personal or business spending? Now, what do you do here if you have one of these issues, right? We kind of talked about how we go in and fix the labor gross profit side of things. But how do we fix this if you're now sitting here thinking, you know what, hon, I'm, I'm having that same issue right now. I'm not making the kind of money that I think that I'm making on parts margin. Where do I go? Where do I start on here? So the first place that I'm going to start is I'm going to start on QuickBooks. I'm going to go into that parts cost of goods sold account, and I'm possibly going to just go down there or even sort that so that I can see it by vendors. And the first thing I'm looking for is misclassification. Is there a vendor that's in there that shouldn't be in there? Oh, look, I have $6,000 in there to snap on. That wasn't parts. That was small tools. I need to move that out of here. Hey, I spent uh, $1,500 with this advertising company. Why is that in parts cost of goods sold? Let me pull that out and let me get to advertising expense. You'd be surprised on how much of this stuff is just sheerly misclassification. Sometimes that will solve all of your issues. Hey, it's looking wrong because we just have the incorrect expenses underneath that bucket. Now, another thing that I do when I go down and look down through there is I look and I see if there's any vendors that don't make sense, right? If I go down through there and I see advanced auto parts, I see Napa, I see Worldpack. Okay, you know what? Those are usually the three big that I buy from. Now, what happens if I see a lot of spending with CarQuest? And I'm thinking to myself, wait, I don't spend any money with CarQuest. I usually get my money from these other guys. Why am I spending money at CarQuest? That's possibly an issue that we need to look into. I had an example of one of my shops in South Carolina that had this exact same issue. He was actually losing money on parts when it came to QuickBooks. And what we did is we did a parts purchase summary out of QuickBooks, right? Sorted that parts cost of goods sold and compared that same thing to his shop management software. What we noticed is that he bought about $300 worth of parts from CarQuest, according to his shop management software, 
but according to QuickBooks, he had bought $8,000 from CarQuest in one month. And what had ended up happening there is he had an ex-employee that still had a relationship with the guys at CarQuest, and he was going over there and he was saying, hey, you know what? Still working at Steve's shop, just picking up this, this, and this, walking away, putting it on my client's account. Obviously, that made a huge discrepancy, and that's how we found it. How do we prevent this in the future? You know, How do we put processes and procedures in place to hopefully avoid this? Processes and procedures and really prevention in general is probably one of the biggest things that we can do as a shop owner. Because if we are not preventing it, then we're going to be constantly trying to chase this and analyze this. And so processes and procedures are hugely important. We should have a written procedure for cores. We should have a written procedure for warranties. And we should do that in the exact same way. Also, we need to in- create an environment where that there is at least a perception that you as a shop owner know everything that's coming through the door. Theft, mismanagement, shortcuts only happen if people think that they're going to get away with it. If I'm sitting there and I'm a technician with sticky fingers that likes to steal parts or get money from my side work, and I'm working for a shop owner that does not understand the financials, does not analyze these things, I'm going to be a lot more likely to try and get away with stuff, to try and you know steal some stuff. However, if I'm working with a shop owner that's always looking down through these financials, always questioning stuff, always coming back and, you know, help and working with the team on saying, hey, any reason why you think that we bought this from WorldPack and I don't see a purchase order for that? You know, different questions like that. I'm probably going to think twice about probably doing something that is going to be a mismanagement of these parts. And so a lot of times when I talk to clients and I tell them, Hey, I want you to be vocal about this. If you have a discrepancy between your shop management software and QuickBooks, do not internalize this. Do not keep this to yourself. Go around and talk to your guys and be like, hey, any reason why you can think that we bought more from this vendor than we think? I'm not accusing anyone, but I'm just going down through and I'm just going to open and I'm just going to ask these questions. There's been a number of times where we've had these discrepancies and, and my client and I have never really been able to get to the bottom of it. We've been able to look at clues. We've been able to kind of analyze where we think things are going off, but never able to kind of put our finger on exactly what's going on here. However, once we started asking about this, once we started kind of uh, talking to some of our employees, magically the problems went away. What exactly was it? Who exactly was it? We never found out, but the most important thing was the problem stopped. And why did the problem stop? We didn't catch the person red-handed, But again, they thought, hey, you know what? They're kind of getting on to us. They possibly have found out what we're doing here, and I really just need to stop. I really just need to go on the straight and narrow. Now, no one wants to think that this is going on in your business, but you know what? Ignorance is not going to be our best idea here, right? We're not going to stick our head in the sand and say, you know what? If I don't look into it, it's not there. Let's take a look at it, right? And a lot of times it's not theft. A lot of times it's classification issues. A lot of times it's mismanagement of cores and warranties. But if we do have theft going on there, we obviously need to figure that out because they're taking money out of your pocket. They're taking money out of your family's pocket. And at the end of the day, in a larger example, they're also jeopardizing your entire business and the rest of your team that you have working there. And so making sure to analyze these stuff, making sure to do spot checks on this, periodically grabbing some tickets and just looking at this, this is not micromanagement. This is not looking over your employees' shoulders. This is what they need to be doing as a business owner to not only ensure their own success, but also the success of the rest of the team and to ensure a bright future and a profitable future for the business. 
So those two areas, not understanding the financials, not having your financials set up correctly, and also discrepancy between shop management software and QuickBooks are probably the two biggest pieces that I see. The last one that we're going to quickly touch on here is kind of, I guess, maybe a little bit of a pet peeve of mine or just some kind of smaller issues that I see that could be pertinent for you when you're kind of going into this. One of the things that I see here is that there's just too many variables on the financial statements. Variables in accounting do not mix, right? Just like we were talking about before, there's processes and procedures. There's a certain way that we want to do things on our shop management software and our day-to-day workflow. It's the same way on financials. I want to do the transactions the same way. I want to categorize the same exact way so that I can compare myself, so I can look at trends and stuff like that. Anytime we are getting variables into the financial statements, we are losing accuracy and we're losing the ability to effectively analyze these and understand what's really going on there. Now, when I talk about variables, what am I talking about here? Number one thing is taking cash, right? I know that you don't do this, right? I know that you do not take cash for your business. You would never do that. Honestly, it's it's a little bit less of an issue that we see now than we used in the past just because cash isn't as common. A lot of my shops are 95 to 99% credit cards even. And so cash is not a huge issue for some people, but some people it is. And I know how it is. Hey, you know what? Instead of depositing that $1,000 in cash, I'm just going to take that. I'm going to put that in my pocket. Now, possibly you even use that cash and you use it legitimately. Hey, I use it to pay for COD to uh, work. I use it to buy the guy's lunch. All legitimate business expenses. This is not always, hey, I'm taking cash. I'm trying to hide money from the government. Sometimes this is just you taking cash and you don't really understand the impact of it. However, one of the reasons that I tell clients that I don't like to see this, not only if, if you're going to try to do something a bit nefarious here, we could get into a, you know, a tax or legal issue. But the biggest thing on here is we're adding variables to the financial statement. We are looking at this. And if I see a discrepancy between deposits and sales, We're going to chalk this up to you taking cash out of business. Hey, we're off $2,000. Did you take $2,000 out of your bank? I don't really think that I did, but you know what? If that's what the difference is, that's what it is. And what I like to explain to people is looking from the number side of things, looking from the accounting side of things, you as a business owner taking cash looks exactly the same as your service advisor taking cash. You taking cash out of the business looks exactly the same as your bookkeeper taking cash out of the business. So if we have these variables, it's going to be a lot harder for us to figure out what else is going on there. Also, we're setting a culture here. If the rest of your shop knows, hey, the business owner is taking cash out of here, then possibly that's going to open up doors for them to allow this to do it as well. If you're a shop owner and you take $1,600 of cash out of your business, your service advisor also pockets $300. We are most likely never, ever going to be able to see that because that discrepancy is going to be chalked up to you taking the money out. So that's one of the big reasons why I don't like take cash out of the business. Let's put it in there. Everything should go into the bank account. If you want to then turn around and use it to buy tools, to buy for lunch, put it on a credit card, put it on a debit card, write a check for it. Let's have a paper trail because if we're eliminating these variables, we're not only making our financial statements more accurate, but also these financial statements will allow us to detect fraud from other areas of our business. Another thing on here is personal expenses right? Great area discretionary expenses. I know no small business owner wants to pay more tax than they need to. And a lot of people run down some of these gray area expenses down through their business. A lot of them are legitimate, right? Ordinary uh, necessary expenses for the business, but 
they are possibly discretionary. They don't need to happen, but you're running them down there to get the proper business deduction for them to save money on the taxes. However, a lot of times people go overboard with this. Just like taking cash, hey, I know what we're trying to do here at the end of the day, but if you're running these personal expenses down through the business, we're affecting the overall accuracy of the business. If I'm going down through and I'm looking at the shop's financials and I say sales look good, gross profit looks good, but we didn't make any money, a lot of times when we start digging down through there, people are running their entire business, their entire personal life through their business. It's completely killing the net income, and it's not giving us a realistic picture of what the business is doing. Business is doing great. You're just running too much stuff down through the business, and it's killing the net income. Another thing that you got to think about here is this is not only hurting you, it's possibly hurting your future sale of the business, future expansion of the business, and a lot of other things. If you take these financials to a bank and you say, hey, look at my financials, I did $1.5 million in sales and I make $20,000, the bank is going to say, hey, I don't care that you took all this money out of the business. I don't care any of these promises that there's cash that you didn't deposit. The financials show that you made $20,000 and I'm not going to give you that loan for the second location because you do not make enough money. Right. And so this is this sometimes blindsides people when they go to get that bank financing, they go to possibly buy the real estate or another location is that they're no longer in a bankable position because they're playing too much funny business with the financials. Even more so, a lot of times people find this out way too late. I'm going to sell my shop right now. And if I'm trying to give a financials to a prospective buyer and all of them are showing a net loss, I'm not going to get top dollar for my business. I'm going to go to this new business owner and say, hey, you know what? Take my word for it. It's showing that I made a loss, but I really made a lot more money here. Anytime that we're adding these variables here, it's not only affecting us on the day-to-day analyzing of our financials, it's also affecting us down the road with the banks and the future prospective buyers. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to take these variables out. We're trying to you know, simplify the financial statements. We don't want to have a ton of things here. We don't have want to have a ton of detail on this. We just want good, clean financial statements that not only we can make decisions off of, we can use for financing, we can use for prospective buyer, we can really use to operate our business effectively. So that's the major things we see here for a lot of the new shops that we work with and probably a lot of things that you possibly have been struggling with your shop right now. You know, so as a general conclusion here, the biggest overall theme here is is give yourself a fair chance of understanding the financials, right? If you don't understand the financials, think to yourself, do I not understand the financials? Do the financials not make sense to me? And if they don't make sense to you, we need to look and see, hey, are they even set up correctly? If they're not set up correctly, then you're probably never going to be able to understand these financials or be able to use them as a useful tool. Another thing here is you need to set yourself up for success, right? Process and procedures like we talked about. You can't just expect all of this stuff to work out if you're not going to do the background, if you're not going to do the legwork to set up this process and procedures, to eliminate these variables, to make sure that you know what buckets all of these expenses and how this is going to be tracked for your specific business. And then the thing, the last thing on here is baby steps. I tell this to people a lot because they want to go from zero to a thousand. They say, "Han, I want to understand financials like you do. And this is not to say that I'm a rocket scientist. You know, the financials that we're talking about here are pretty basic level of financial statements, but I've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of financial statements. There's things that I can pull out, not because of, you know, I understand financials much more than anyone else. I've just seen a ton of financials. And so I've been able to use my prior knowledge to be able to pull trends out, to be able to pull clues out. 
That's exactly how it is for your business. We're going to start with the basics. We're going to start learning sales, gross profit, fixed expenses, percentages. And then once we have that on, we're going to start to build and build and build on this until we have a much better understanding of our overall business, right? So don't try to go from zero to a thousand. Start with the core principles. Start with the high level stuff. Like I mentioned before, parts and labor. That's probably going to be the first two places I'm going to start and I'm going to analyze because those are going to be the two biggest areas that are going to improve my business. So if you want to learn more about this, if you want to take a look at this, I got to have a shameless plug here for my book. So I wrote a book called Your Perfect Shop. And what Your Perfect Shop is, is it kind of gives an overview of the basics of financials as it relates to running an automotive repair shop. So I start from the beginning, entity choice, setting up our bank accounts, all the way to the end of setting ourselves up for success and possibly even selling our business. So if you want to read more about this, check it out. You can get it on Amazon. If you go to our website, parmelis.com, you can get a PDF copy. And if you don't like to read, it's also available um, on Audible, so you can get the audiobook version as well. Also, if you want to check out our Facebook group that goes along with that Your Perfect Shop on Facebook, click join on there and we'll let you in there. And we're going through a lot of these same topics and talking about some different things. And obviously, this is going to be a weekly podcast going forward. So Business by the Numbers is going to be going through all of these different things, hitting different ideas, hitting different real-life examples of what I'm talking to my shop owners about and some of the issues that I see here. And so make sure to like, subscribe, review, give us five stars on here. More importantly, share this with your friends. This is obviously going to be tailored towards a shop owner because that's my specialty. That's my passion. All of these ideas that we talk about here could be used by other small businesses, not just auto repair shops. Any ideas, any questions, anything that you want to ask and say, hey, Hunt, you know what? Can you talk about this on one of the episodes or possibly even want to be a guest on here? Shoot me an email. So email is podcast at parmelis.com. And so send me over any of your ideas, any questions and anything that you want to follow up on or possibly you just need some help with your shop's numbers. So that's it for today. I appreciate you joining me and I look forward to talking with you soon. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.